the answer to everything is is love yourself more because that is your source connection yes that so is source is pure love for you so if you're not if you're anything less than that then you are disallowing that natural source connection to be and that's where all the solutions are all 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 authentic joy is there mm-hmm. all abundance is really there we, we we speak often of joy clarity and abundance and, and that's that up the spiral source connected and abundance takes on a very different meaning but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the earthly things you can mm-hmm. but it's you're not depending on those things for your joy you're placing the joy as your priority understanding that the manifestations become these fun things that you can experience and they can come and go out of your life and there's no regret there's no loss there's no trauma there's there's, there's no judgment in any of it because the good things that are flowing in are just something that you get to enjoy yeah whatever that is and release if it needs to be released knowing that you're powerful enough to experience a different version of that perhaps in a different way because you're becoming a more sophisticated being. So, I'm with someone that I met recently when I was on her podcast, Diane Hudock. And I said that correctly. You did. <laughs> and her podcast is Spiritual Geek Out and I I love that because I I love uh describing myself as, as, as a, a Taya geek, if not, not a spiritual geek. So spiritual geek out, it was a great name for a show. It really appealed to me to be on as a guest. Uh, so I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. And I have to say, I, I recognized Diane the second we signed on, but I didn't know from where. Do you want to share with why I recognized you so, so quickly? Why did you recognize me? Was that a trick question? Well, first of all, I have to say our talk is one of the most downloaded talks on my podcast, which tells you how relevant this information is that you're bringing forth um, on the planet. People are, I think, ripe and ready to step into their power of being co-creators co-meaning cooperation with the divine and recognizing that they are powerful manifestors. So I just want to thank you for that. And um, how we met, I think Carrie reached out to me and um, she listened well, to my- the reason, that I, the reason that I recognized you is because you, you're an actor in TV commercials. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. Oh, that's- so I know. Funny. We haven't even really talked about that. But I, I remember when I first signed, I, I, I just thought of that. It popped into my head as we signed on to do this podcast, <laughs> that when I first popped on the Zoom with you, the, my first thing was, I've, I know you from somewhere. I've seen you somewhere before. And you're like, well, I've been in many, many, many TV commercials. That's probably where you know me from. But that's not the only reason that we have you on the stream of David. I really enjoyed our talk. And I think the energy and the vibe was fantastic. And that episode, that's probably why a lot of people found it appealing and it's been downloaded so much. So that's fantastic. And I wanted to have you back on on the stream of David to, to go deeper because we're, we're very, we're, we're, we definitely gel, we definitely vibe. But where we're very different is you are highly educated in this stuff. Highly, highly. I'll let you share all your credentials. You are very highly educated. And I am not. I'm educated by the stream and that's really it. But the cool thing is, is how how much you have uncovered in your life and your journey that is so consistent with what I've gotten from the stream and then what I've continued to get in teaching what we teach to other people. Mm-hmm. 
So why don't you start at the beginning and kind of take us take us on your journey? I think it's very interesting. Well, how far back should we go? I well, first I guess I could say I don't consider myself highly educated, and I really mean that wholeheartedly. I definitely have a lot of education comparatively to perhaps some people in this space, and I I totally get where you're coming from. But it's like in my consciousness, in my waking days, I I feel like I'm someone who always seeks to have this sort of a perpetual student mind Mm -hmm. so that it keeps me open to spirit's guidance. And if I feel like I know it all, boy, I'm in trouble. So I'm kind of just by personality sake, I'm a perpetual seeker of um, more and more infinite information that there's no way I'll learn everything there is to learn in this lifetime, but I sure am hungry for it. And spirit just keeps guiding me like crumbs, you know, on a path to the next thing, to the next thing. And it's this beautiful, like popcorn string of, um, a divine order. And uh, so I look back in hindsight and I go, oh, I can see why I did that training to lead me to that training to lead me to that teacher. So um, I, I, yeah, I've been an actress for many years and I made my living as an actress sort of simultaneously as I was also a yoga teacher. I started getting trained in Reiki when I was like 20. Um, But I was very sick as a teenager. They thought I had lupus. I was in and out of hospitals. Um, You know, I had all sorts of issues. And uh, they'd say, oh, you might have a year to live. You might have two years to live. And they kind of say it just sort of like haphazardly, casually, like, you know, go get a sandwich downstairs, you know, yeah. And, uh, and it really, as you can imagine, stirred something inside of me. And what stirred inside of me was a rich desire for seeking answers, a deeper knowledge, and other avenues for, of course, healing. Because there was a part of me, call it providence, call it grace, call it just my own gumption, my own drive, there was a part of me that I didn't believe everything the doctors dictated. I didn't believe everything that was of my diagnosis. And I was like, hold on a minute, there's more to the story. And I think that's really important because we all hold stories about ourselves, about the world, about our life. And those stories can get calcified in our field, in our consciousness, and it can literally run our life like a sin wave, right? And, uh, and it can keep us from excelling and mer- uh, finding that wonderful partner or, or not, or whatever it is that's in your heart. So I started off being um, a seeker of, of greater techniques of uh, other techniques of healing. So I got into energy medicine very early. Um, like, I mean, I was born in 72. So this was when I was like 19, 18. And I was seeing healers. Um, they're all past now, but people that were working in energy with the NIH 
um, doing all kinds of things with my field. I remember a guy, Mitek Workus, he was very famous. He would start working on my energy field and he'd tell me to close my eyes and he'd be pulling things out of my thyroid. Well, I didn't know I had a thyroid issue. I didn't have lupus. I had a thyroid issue. I was misdiagnosed, but I didn't know it. I knew, in, I knew somewhere deep inside of me, I didn't believe the story. So thank God I started seeking other avenues. And I remember he'd tell me to close my eyes and he'd be pulling things. I'd feel energy, like just like magnets being pulled out of my body. It's hard to describe. And when I opened my eyes, I would fall down sometimes to the ground because I thought I was standing like sideways. <laughs> he was actually pulling all this stuff out of one side of my field and uh, which energetically was kind of making me stand or walk lopsided. I was lopsided energetically. And so uh, that, that was sort of the kickoff for me. And, uh, and acting was a um, way of really working out a lot of the trauma that I experienced in my home because I grew up with mental illness around me. And so, um, I was both a gymnast, which was great. I could move my energy. I love to do gymnastics, but it was also, I think, a tactic for me to try to be out of the house as much as possible. So I wasn't in harm's way. It was like my higher consciousness was like, we're gonna find something for you to do. So those extra three hours of possibly being at home with this you know, insane person is you know, not gonna be, you won't be there. Um, and, and so, and then acting was a way for me to work out a lot of those, um, parts of my own humanness that, that were seeking to be expressed. Now, over time, I've, I love acting, but over time, as I think we mature up, not to say that acting is anything that's immature, but as we evolve, I, I much prefer being myself than being a role. And I find there's great power in that because I'm really interested now as a healer in helping people remove their masks and remove those, um, those characters that they feel they have to carry with them through life. That's a weight, you know? Yeah. So, so, yeah. You know, it's interesting that you were talking about your thyroid. Yeah. Because the, the stream has said that our, our physical vehicle, our human body, is we're, we're essentially, we are technology. We're like robots, essentially, but more sophisticated than what we can imagine from our human perspective. But, but the, the idea is that this human body is a filtration system in which to experience the earth environment. And when you've got blocks, then your filtration system is not optimized. Mm. That's where you get illnesses. And there are certainly glands and things like that where we hold on to things and the reason that I think it's so interesting is I just did, uh, we're, we're developing and we're going deeper into, in the Taya practice that I teach, we're going deeper into what I call radical appreciation, mm. but it's very akin to this thing called shadow work. Mm -hmm. And I know you probably know what shadow, I'm sure you know what shadow work is. And again, it's one of these things that I get from the stream that, that is supposed to be part of this practice. That's been my practice that I, I am, I now understand that I'm not the one that's inventing all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's divine knowledge, if you will, but it's, it's coming and I, and I start applying it in my life and it works and we, we sort of give it a label and incorporate it into the practice. 
And then somebody inevitably that's in the practice says, that's a lot like this XYZ thing. Yeah. And so we have a, a coach uh, that, that works for, that's a Taya coach, but she also does shadow work. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to see if there was any more value in doing more of that in the Taya practice and especially in my, my coaching program. And so she did a session on me this weekend because I wanted to experience it firsthand. And there's always something that we can work on and always something that we can clear out. We call that vibrational dust. Mm-hmm. There's always some vibrational dust to be cleared out of our, of our energy field. And we never get through with that work, but that's really part of being human. Mm-hmm. And I had this experience when you were talking about thyroid in this session of feeling this, this vibrational dust, if you will, of an old trigger that was mostly cleared out, but not completely. And it came up through my throat into my mouth and it had this awful bitter taste in my mouth. Mm. It was such a, a cool experience to, to experience it in my body. So when you talked about that, holding on to something in your thyroid and then having to clear it out, it just reminded me of that experience that I had this weekend. But the filtration system, think about that. We, we are absorbing and filtering and if you if you aren't if you're not tuned to a vibration that is one of trust and abundance, then right. your filtration system's clogged up, right? Hundred percent. And I think we're learning. There's so much we don't know still about the thyroid. You know, the medical medium goes into it a bit, but there's a lot of other teachers and facilitators um, of light and sound and alternative therapies that are all talking about this thyroid as being not only like a master center for perception, but it's this. It's like it's it's another brain. And when you talk about the metal taste coming up. I get that a lot through uh, my biofield tr- treatments that I do with clients, which I've done over a thousand at this point. And to me, what it, that appears to be is the, it's like the viruses hold a energy, they hold a frequency and they can hold a taste. They can hold a flavor because everything has frequency. And it's not just viruses, like physical viruses, like herpes simplex or, you know, Epstein-Barr, which so many people have, or cytomegalovirus, or, you know, the list goes on and on, billions of viruses. But when we release the mental viruses, the mind viruses, that can release this taste often for people. That's this sort of like, it's almost like you're releasing the bitterness and bitterness has a taste to it. The metal, um, the metal can be, um, analogous to the taste of the mental virus. And what's interesting in medicine is that viruses, as far as I know, their favorite food is heavy metals. So if we're removing and chelating, whether you go get it through an alternative therapy like frequency, or you get it through a chelation therapy or millions of ways to get uh, viruses, get um, heavy metals out, we remove the heavy metals. A lot of times people's viral loads go down. Now that's not my specialty, I'm not a doctor, but I do see these correlations and these experiences of people describing what you're describing all the time. And I go, well, some of it might be literally the physical aspect or biological aspect of the metal, the the heavy metals coming up and out. But it also could be the energetics of this, like you say, the suppressed emotions uh, uh, that never got the license to be expressed for whatever reason, because 
you know, if you grow up in a home where you speak your truth, but you're going, or you, if you cry, it's a sign of weakness, then you're going to run that story and condition yourself into not expressing your sadness. And then it gets stuffed somewhere in the body. It's like energy is neither created nor destroyed, right? It just got to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to me that you hit on a very profound subject, which is, um, and at least from my parlance and my direct experience, it's not emotions. We know emotions are energy in motion, but you know, it's like, if you pull back the aperture even more, if you don't allow that energy to go in motion and be fully expressed, thus suppressed, it's going to cause a backup in your system. It's going to put golems in the gear shifts. It's going to cause um, some oxidation, <laughs> you know, all kinds of rust to your system. And we can say that literally and figuratively. Yeah, the, the, uh, and mine was definitely dialing it up. It wasn't something that just happened. We, we conjured it on purpose mm-hmm. to bring it up. And then, of course, the releasing of it or the transmuting of it is the appreciation of it. Yeah. Whatever's causing that experience, the reason that it's a transgressor is because of our judgment of it is wrong or shouldn't have been, you know, along those lines. And when we detune the judgment of it and find the appreciation for it, then suddenly it's, it, it doesn't cease to be. Right. It's now something that we appreciate, however, and the negative triggers that, it, that, that surround that, which is what we're really trying to heal anyway, right. those dissipate because it's, you're right, it's, you're not destroying that frequency. You're, you're tuning it to something that is positive instead of negative because you're releasing the judgment around it. Right. You're bringing yourself in tune. So I always say, you know, we're all really sound healers because we all have a playlist. And so we can all, and this is something that my mentor would talk about, Eileen McCusick from Biofield Tuning. We all have a playlist. So it's like, we know what we like to listen to. And we also know what it feels like to be stuck. And we know what it feels like, so to speak, to be in between stations, just like if you're driving in your car and you're turning the dial, everything's kind of push button now, but you know, <laughs> you're, you're turning the dial and you're in between stations. That's you, you know, being out of tune and it doesn't feel good to be out of tune or to be what we call in between worlds. But back to your point um, about these transgressors, you know, from we, as you were saying, we, we are both saying the same thing, whether you're going through a spiritual psychology or spiritual science program or not, it is coming from the same place. And, and the, the truth sits that physical world reality exists for the sole purpose of our spiritual evolution. Thus, everything that happens to us from this um, vantage point or this elevated way of looking at things from soul-centered eyes, I should say, everything has a divine purpose, even that shitty one-bedroom apartment you grew up in with cockroaches. You know, you needed it to look like that so that you could have enough contrast the way it was designed so that it could get you off your tukus and go out there and want to manifest whatever it is you meant to manifest. I had to grow up with the kind of contrast I had so that I could generate the desire to learn how to love myself so that 
I can then be a masterful facilitator to others who don't yet love themselves yet. And I can say, hold on a minute, I hear you, but you can get there too, because I can do it. And we're all the same. We're not, you know, we're all the same. So I think that uh, that's a really important point because we can look at all these transgressors and we can, in spiritual psychology, we simply reframe them as blessings. And really, it, it, it's all that. Everything is an opportunity for growth and upliftment. And if you can look at every event in your life that's not so great as an opportunity, or you could simply, I just invite you to ask the question, you know, this is really shitty right now. I don't like what's happening with me right now. I don't like the circumstance. And there's a lot going on on the planet right now that's stirring up a lot inside of everyone. But yet the question sits, what is the opportunity? And there's an a, a plethora of opportunities for growth and upliftment in service to your spiritual evolution. And like, why should we care? Well, because you're going to be evolving whether you know it or not. And that's and true. So it's the, like, the stream says that that we're, yeah. we're, we're expanding in this experience, even if we're sitting on the sofa with a bag of chips glued to the TV 24 seven, there's expansion in that. We, we don't understand it from a human perspective necessarily, but there's expansion in that experience. Every So there is no getting this wrong. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing I, I love about it. At the end of the day, we are here very temporarily in comparison to that which we are eternally. There's no getting this wrong. And we have been taught that this is all there is. Even religious teachings kind of point to that, that the yeah. importance of living life in a certain way. Uh, and, and it's almost like, because this is all there is, this is the only life that you get. And shunning all of that, and moving toward the light of radical appreciation of all that is, is such a magical thing. But it's it's interesting. You meet so few people that really grasp what that concept really is, because there's always a line. I can appreciate everything up until this. And then everything on the other side of that line, I can't begin to appreciate. It's awful. It's terrible. It shouldn't be. It needs to be stopped. We have to change it. We have to fight it. But the the, the funny thing is, is that all of these things that are to the right side of that line, if you will, they never go away. They never change. They never get solved. They just get labeled differently. And all of the fear and the judgment that goes into all of that stuff is exactly what's keeping it alive. Yeah, that is so true. It's like, what did uh, um, Mother Teresa, I think, was the one that said, I don't go to sort of, a, I'm, I'm butchering her words, but basically she said, I don't go to rallies or events where I'm against. Yeah, she doesn't fight. She doesn't yeah. fight against. Yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. I'll speak for something. And, and I, I really resonate with that because, again, when you start to understand the mechanism of energetics, of energy at play in uh, on this planet, with the laws and the conditions of this planet, the quantum laws and conditions of this planet, we know that if we focus our energy on the negative, we are going to create more of the negative, period, and a story. So as we evolve, we realize that we actually can become more than what we're perceiving. And then we can start to go, well, well who's the perceiver? I mean, this is very old school yogic one-on-one -on -one stuff. It's like, who's the I? <laughs> Who, who's the perceiver and who's being perceived? And so, you know, there's such an opportunity right now to 
let go of the old paradigm of uh, fear mentality and moving into the love mentality or the love paradigm or the, um, the energy of loving, because why not? It's who you are. It doesn't mean to negate or it doesn't mean to not um, be aware of what's going on. Be aware. But the more you focus on the, the, the spiritual aspect of yourself, the more you're going to be experiencing the expansion of that nature of you. And you're going to be able to perceive from a much more elevated state. And thus, like in yoga, we say chitta vrita narodaha, which we're calming the cessations of the mind stuff, the junk, the, the, the soot that stirs up in the lake. We want it to settle and go to the bottom. So we, our thoughts, our perception is crystal clear. We have, as we say, pramonic sight, clear cognition. And if we're not seeking to be rooted in that elevated state of our higher self, rather than our reactionary basic self, doesn't mean ignore it, just integrate it. <laughs> then we're gonna be seeing through the lens of the physical, which is you know reactionary and, and materially based and all the conditions of the third dimensional realm. You know, it's like in our podcast, my podcast, when I was asking you, well, hold on a minute, how did you manifest I think it was that watch that you got. And I was asking you, you go, see, you're, you're, you're squashing down on how manifestation works because you want to know exactly and how things are transpired. And you were saying it, it doesn't happen like that. It's like things when you're aligned to grace or being a co-creator with grace, things just show up because you, the outer world reality is a direct reflection of that inner state of you being in your allowing. So how it showed up, I can't really tell you what I did. It's almost like, what did I undo? <laughs> yeah, well, and it, wouldn't, it would never be recreated anyway. So the person mm -hmm. listening to that, if they try to set out to, to hammer away at the, the steps of creation, Yes. That's why I, I kind of laugh at someone that calls themselves a, a law of attraction coach because it, it's always something different. And, and to me, law of attraction is just a little sliver component of the universal process of creation. And the attraction part of it is just a given, just like gravity is a given. Yeah. Yeah, we're attracting, but then the how of it is very personal and, and unique to your own belief system. You, you, you kept talking uh, earlier, uh, and I love this because it was about your, the belief systems that we create. Yeah. And we've started referring this to this, and I, I'm not that terribly scientific, obviously, <laughs> if you listen to this Me podcast. Either, really. But the, the, how we are designed technology and how our belief system is our operating system. Just like our computer has an operating system. If you have an Apple computer, it's iOS, whatever number they're on these days, it seems to change all the time. Right. So you have an operating system, but our operating systems are created by default is our reaction to our environment. But we can be far more intentional with our operating systems. Right. And that's what really changes our lives. For sure. Not the, how did you manifest? What did you do? How often did you think about it? Did you pray about it? Did you visualize it? Did you have a vision board? Uh, did you say mantras? All of that stuff goes out the window. There's, there's value in all of it. But the changing of the operating system is the key. Moving forward toward, you kept saying love 
And, and I interchange that word with trust, mm-hmm. trusting the universe, the unit, we, we are in an, in a, an abundant environment, obviously mm-hmm. there's abundance everywhere. And if you're not receiving abundance, it's because you're not trusting your abundance. You're not trusting the process. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what clogs people up. That that's a, that's another great segue, David, where it leads me to hearken on the a state or, or choice of going into doubt. So it's like, what's the opposite to me of trust? Well, it's doubt. And I, I was starting to write a book, one of many, and a spirit said, you need to sit down, light a candle, and uh, you need to start with the chapter one. Chapter one is doubt. And uh, as I mentioned to you before we got on this podcast, we were talking about some personal experiences. And I've had, I think I've had some crazy experiences seeing, seeing all kinds of things, um, not on drugs. I don't do drugs. It's just spiritual experiences where I, a divine master appeared to me. And not that I was trying to have anything happen. It was the most unexpected um, manifestation or event. But the point is, these experiences were so profound, I believe they had to look that sort of wild and out there, because my imagination is so wild and out there that it had to, it had to supersede that, so that I knew it wasn't my imagination, it was something supernatural, right? And yet, and yet, from a collective, uh, co- just a cornucopia of these experiences, I still had doubt. Now, and I could say I still have doubt to a certain degree, but it's much, 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 much less. Just in my humanness, I go, God, how is that? Is that really real? But yes, it was, it was real. And, and let me show you the ways. But I think it's our nature uh, to we've been conditioned to go into doubt. And I think it behooves us all to just get to it with dissolving the doubt so that we can be anchored in the trust. And we are not dependent on the externals or other people or other forces, meaning on this planet, I'm not talking spiritual forces, (laughs) to tell us what to do, how we need to live our lives, we, it is a time, I mean, we're in the Aquarian age, right? This is a time symbolically, emblematically of reawakening that DNA encoding that we are sovereign beings that can heal ourselves instantaneously if we so choose. But we got to open up those floodgates of trust and dissolve the parameters that we set up around ourselves that um, are often a result of the creation and construction of doubt. Yeah, I think the I, I think that um, in fact this is what the stream says that the, that humanity created this this period and in, in linear time it seems like a long period of separation from our natural source, mm. which is always there. It just needs to be realized by us. We're not realizing it when, when we're doubting. And and I love that you talked about doubt because we talk about we teach on the virtual vibrational spiral. I probably spoke about this. I'm yeah. sure I did on your show. I love that. And we have this point of neutrality and everything above neutral is, is source connection or better. You have a little bit of source connection all the way to full-blown allowing of source. 
And then below neutral is you're cutting yourself off from source all the way down to despair. Yeah. And the first step down from neutral is doubt. Yeah. That's sort of the catalyst that starts us on that downward spiral of I'm making these plans and I'm dreaming this up and it's going to be so amazing. And oh my gosh, I can, I can just taste it. And it's just right there. And then the vibe drops a little bit, probably some time lapses. And then we revisit those amazing thoughts and suddenly they don't feel as amazing. Because yes. Our vibe has dropped because of vibrational flow. We're not in that same high space and we're trying to revisit and re reconjure that feeling and it doesn't feel as authentic. And then what happens? The doubt comes in and then we can completely unravel whatever that creation is. Yeah. And that unraveling is a natural part of the process, but we do it. It's, it's so well developed in humanity that it holds a lot of people into that mediocrity. Yes. We don't have to exist if we, if we choose not to. Yes. I like to sometimes kind of stir things up for people in their consciousness, not to make it sound like a threat, but just sort of like a little bit of a gentle pan to the head. <laughs> you know? Just go doing and like a little wow. rap on the head. Yeah. Yeah. I never thought of it like that, but maybe it's like, you could think of it like doubt is really a spiritual crime because it's a crime against yourself to say you're not divine, right? To say that you're separate from creation, source energy, consciousness, Christ consciousness, Buddha consciousness, Allah, whatever you want to call it, the one. And it's, it's a spiritual crime to doubt. And, and that sounds maybe a little extreme, but if you really are made of the stars of consciousness of all that is, then you in your doubt, you're actually declaring that you are separate, that you are not able. And in spiritual sciences, I could take it a little bit further maybe. And we talk about openings for negativity. And when we create openings in our field for negativity, well then all this drama gets to come into our field. And one of the openings for negativity is shame. Another is oppressing your spirit. Another is doubt. <laughs> Another is just relying and rooted in the ego. But when we think of the ego, it's like the ego's main drive is comfort and familiarity. So the moment you want to go big or you want to take that step or you want to let go of that branch because there's something better over here and your ego is saying, I don't know, Diane, you remember what happened last time or I don't think you're ready for a podcast, you know? And so <laughs> that, that, that can create an opening for negativity because let's say you followed that thought form. It's a thought form. Then you don't do the podcast. Then you start to feel bad about yourself. Then you start to feel drop in energy. Then you start to go maybe uh, emotionally eat. Then you start to feel even more horrible. And that's that, thus the spiral begins. And it gets you a, what I call off-roading. But yeah, so like openings for negativity, that's, um, that doubt is an opening to create negativity. When you get, when you, and this is not to tell people what to do or eat or, or any of that, but just as another analogy, perhaps, um, you know, there's a reason they call alcohol spirits. So 
when you drink to the point of just being inebriated, you're opening up your field for anything to walk in because you're basically disowning yourself. And you're saying, yeah, anybody can just walk right in because I have no agency for my own consciousness right now. And then we get some people that might just want to walk in and literally do a walk-in. Now that's a whole other conversation, but I can tell you after doing over a thousand biofields, it's not fun when those show up in the field and they always show up around those times when people just disown themselves, usually through heavy duty drugs or inebriation or blacking out and all that. And again, anyone that's listening and has had that experience, this is not to go into any judgment far and from it, but it's like, we do what we do at that time in life, because that's what we do. If we could do any better, we would have, but we couldn't at the time. So we drink or we do drugs because that's the, the faculty is available for us. Right. Right. Then and well, there. We, we've all been taught that we're not supposed to feel bad. Right. That we're not so we all go down the spiral because we're operating in vibrational flow. So going down in vibration is is a natural state of being, and it's part of the universal process of creation. But somehow we've bought onto this idea that we're never supposed to physically feel pain, we're we're never supposed to emotionally feel pain. We have to numb it with something. We have to rush to numb it. Yes, our society has been created around that. But the more we move away from rushing to numb it and learn to move into it and appreciate it. I used to have, when I first started getting lower back pain, I went to a doctor, the doctor put me on opiates mm. and sent me to a surgeon. The surgeon wanted to cut my back open. And it's, it's interesting because my back pain has returned a little bit, but I don't do any of those things anymore with it. I just appreciate it, meditate, move it out. And now it's, it's such a different experience because I don't have the same judgment around it that I used to have. And it's, it's a short lived thing now that I move through. Whereas before it was like, Oh, this suffering and Oh, you need to do this. You need to do that. And you've got to just think of the huge industry that is built around pain management. 100%. And we have the power to heal ourselves and we have the power to even transmute pain, but we also have the power to appreciate pain in the moment. And people think, well, that's crazy. If I appreciate it, I'm going to attract more but appreciation is detuning power. Mm -hmm. When something is a transgressor, whatever it is, if it's a person, circumstance, event, uh, bodily condition, whatever, when you, when you move toward appreciation of it, it no longer holds any power over you because you're not fearing it. Yes. And it's such a different experience when you're meeting something in joy that our society tells you you're not supposed to meet in joy, just like when you appreciate something that society tells you not to appreciate. You are one with source when you do that, however, because source isn't judging anything and is appreciating all of it. And that's where people sometimes stop and say, well, what about X, Y, Z? What about Hitler? What about, you know, all of these things? And the stream has gone into all of it that, that source is literally, literally not judging. So therefore there is appreciation for everything because anything that we experience that is unwanted really is our own creation to inspire us toward new creation in the solving of it, if we choose to do so. Mm -hmm. I have a mentor who um, said to me some years back when I was like, I'm going to heal my thyroid. And he said, don't ever ask for any condition 
that you ever experience in your life, don't ever ask for it to go away. Just ask to understand how it got put there. And then when you understand how you created it, you will learn how to dissolve it. And when you dissolve it, you will become a master. The, the, that's, that's sage advice because the, the solving of it is in the allowing of source because in the, the appreciation of it, you were once again allowing source and the solution for everything is in that. Mm-hmm. And once I started healing my thyroid, of course, this should not surprise you in the least, of course, but guess who starts uh, the clients that I have more than anybody are women with thyroid issues. And uh, a lot of times, I mean, there's so many women that have thyroid issues and there's a whole, that's a whole other episode of why we think that is and, and why is that happening? Um, but uh, it's, it's just that it's like, you have to really know that you are part and parcel of that creation. You, it is there uh, as, as, as much as we hear that it's for you, not against you. It's really true. It is really happening for you. And if there's such a thing as karma, which there is, <laughs> that there's passive and active karma, and there are opportunities here, just like there are, there are lessons, there's curriculum. And we could say that my curriculum, one of my curriculums was to learn how to heal that. But what is the thyroid really about? And then you start going deeper down the rabbit hole, and it's really about healing the the past and it could be even be miasms it could be ancestral of my ancestors not having the freedom this and experiencing the suppression epigenetically of not being able to express through what we call the vishuddha that's your throat chakra and then it just gets passed down uh, one lineage after the next right and and so the thyroid, there are so many levels to it, just like any dis-ease state. It's, for me, it's been one of the greatest gifts that I could ever have asked for because it's unlocked all this potentiality in me that I get to share with the world and show other people how to do the same in their own unique fashion and their own, um, with their own unique curriculum. So what, what doesn't end you exist to make you stronger or more sophisticated? Absolutely. It's, it's that's what we're here for is that ever increasing level of sophistication in, in the physical experience. Yeah. And what you believe determines your experience. So then we go into, well, what is belief? Well, belief is just a story. You keep telling yourself over and over again until you make it true. Mm-hmm. So I believed I was in a training some years ago. And after the training, we're all kind of circling up and we're talking about our lives and what we wanted to heal and what our, everybody had a story as we all do. And it got to be my turn. And I said, yeah, well, this was amazing. And I experienced X, Y, and Z and I have Hashimoto's. And she, and my, my, my teacher said, hold on a minute. I'd be careful if I were you. I, maybe that's not going to be your story anymore and start believing something different. And in that moment, it was like a light went off. And I said, yeah, 
what am I going to choose to believe for myself? And I believed in that moment that I was going to find another story. I was going to create another story for my life. And as it will be, once we activate that story, and I think it really has to come from, you know, the heart, you have to really, it doesn't come from the mind, I don't think. I think it comes from the heart because the heart's really the engine of transformation. So there's got to be enough you know, it's like the gift of pain and suffering is, a, is this great engine that can thrust us forward to really want to transform and transmute. And there was enough of that where I said, you know, I'm, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm sick and tired of limiting myself. I'm sick and tired of being afraid of speaking my truth because somebody's going to judge me or think X, Y, and Z about me. I'm sick of it. I want to free myself. And so, you know, I think of this spiritual psychology tenant, which is what you believe determines your experience. So if I believe that I can heal myself, well, it's going to set up the sort of um, guideposts in my life where I will find just the right avenues or uh, approach to changing the story that I seek to change. And I did. I'd go to, I'd go to a supermarket and I would run into somebody and we start up a conversation and lo and behold, she's talking about frequency and then we become friends. And then she has a mentor and she becomes my mentor. And, and it's just one thing leads to the next because it all started from that new seed of, um, belief. So, um, it's, it's, it's letting go of the old beliefs and, and really going back to that mentor I mentioned where we really have that fuel in us to seek understanding for that which has been made manifest in our life, that, that negative or that not so fun circumstance, whether it be a thyroid issue or a tumor or needing more money or wanting to manifest a better place to live. It's like, you're exactly where you need to be. And as, as, as trite and overly used that terminology is, it's really true that we are exactly where we need to be and we get exactly what we need. And it's exactly why lottery winners lose, most lottery winners lose their money when they get it it's because the consciousness and the beliefs that they hold around money don't support the manifestation that came in. Now that actually would be a good question for you, David, or the stream. So if it's not, if their beliefs are not supporting the money that they win from this ticket, and then of course it usually they lose it within a short period of time, as the data would tell us. But is it that they were open enough in that moment where they allowed the door to open to receive the winning ticket? You know what I'm this question has come up before. And, and the answer from the stream is they were in alignment with the condition of winning the lottery, but they had not prepared themselves to be in alignment with the condition of being wealthy. Ah, there you go. Okay. Yeah. And it's, it's think about it. What, what are the pe people, I want to win the lottery. I want to win the lottery. And, and they just imagine the, the Lamborghini and the mansion and the yacht, and that's what they're stuck on. But then all of a sudden you have 10 million, 50, hundred million dollars to manage that's the whole other side of it that they haven't prepared for because it was so overnight. 
Yeah. You didn't build a fortune over time and figure out how to manage more wealth and more wealth and more wealth over time. It was dropped in their lap. So their, their manifestation that they aligned with of, of having the winning ticket and the winning numbers and having all the stuff dropped right into their laps. But then the, all the other things, the contrasting things that come with that, because there's con, this is a contrasting environment. So there's going to be what we can perceive as positive and negative on every subject there is. I was, on a, I was a guest on a podcast earlier today where we were talking about uh, all of the technology and all the amazing things that we have, but then it's disconnecting us more from our neighbors and we're not outside, we're inside on technology and we're always looking down at our phone. There's, techno- there, there's contrast on all topics. So technology is an amazing thing. And if you allow the negative to unravel you, you can do that. Yeah. If you're not judging it and you are just appreciating all of it, then that's not going to be your experience. Yeah. You got to love it all. I mean, that's really radical appreciation. Really it, you know, radical appreciation, radical appreciation. And in my line of work, we call it uh, compassionate, or I should say unconditional self-forgiveness, compassionate self-forgiveness, which is unconditional self-forgiveness. And it's like, I forgive myself for judging myself for having this condition because the truth is it, it's happening for me and it's a gift. And, uh, and we could just go on and on. Well, and everything is, er- everything is, everything. And, and I have had enough things that would be labeled as awful or terrible or negative happen in my, and there are people that have had worse, you know, it's on the scorecard, sure. but I've had enough of that happen that I have found authentic appreciation, not uh, spiritual bypassing appreciation, love and light. It's all good. Who cares? I'm, I'm a spiritual being now. It doesn't matter anymore. Well, if you're still triggered by it, it's still a transgressor and you haven't radically appreciated in an authentic way if it's still creating a trigger for you. So exploring triggers is fun at this point. It's just fun to explore triggers because we all have them. Right. Anyone that thinks they've crossed the finish line to perfection or enlightenment uh, has a lot more work to do because we're not going to do that. (laughs) And we're not here for that. We're not here for that, that, that perfect, um, that, that state of perfection in our being in any way. Yeah. And being completely down with the, the perfection of imperfection and the spin outs and the demanifestation of, of things and the shifting of energies and the loss and all that stuff and radically appreciating all of it, that's where the joy lies. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like anytime we're triggered by anything or anyone, it, it's, it's feedback for us that there's an unresolved issue. It's just simple feedback. So I always ask people like, well, what's the charge for you right now? And if there's no charge, like if someone said to me, you're a horrible you know, energy facilitator. I, I wouldn't contract around that because I know I'm good at what I do because I've done it so much. I have enough evidence of that. Well, you know, that that somebody saying something like that is their stuff and their yes. and not, nothing to view. Yeah. yeah. But if like someone said, you have really horrible teeth <clears throat> and I've had like sort of like receding gums that I've dealt with for a long time. And that's something I've been working on. And someone says that to me, I might be like, Oh, do I? (laughs) There might be a little charge there because I know it's something that has been part of a condition for me, right? But so it's like anytime there's there's 
a trigger. It's just this great, again, it's an opportunity to go, oh, there's, where's the work? What is it that is unresolved within me? It's really about how it relates to you is the issue. It's that person is like the teacher or the, he, the, he or she is the gift that's shining a light on your unresolved issue. Yeah, it's, it's, our, it's our manifestation. Everything is, I always laugh when people talk about learn how to manifest. Well, we're always, mani- we know how to manifest. We're manifesting everything. The yeah. whole experience <laughs> is our manifestation and we're manifesting wanted and unwanted because of vibrational flow. But the downward flow, you're right, exists so that we can go down into that, that lower vibrational field, separate from the source consciousness that's always there. We're just overshadowing it. And then go in and have those triggering experiences to highlight the imperfections, the things that we want to work on, mm-hmm. the obstacles that, that arise from all of that, that, cr- that allows us for to have a more perfect creation, if you will, even though it's never going to be perfect. We're building something better, mm-hmm. always creating something better because we're allowing the unraveling of it in vibrational flow. But that's something that a lot of people don't get. They think when something starts unraveling that they have failed. Mm -hmm. label themselves a failure they quit and then it never becomes what it could have been if they had just stayed at it I'm a very tenacious person and I didn't I never really understood why and it was really that stream guidance that was always playing in the background that sometimes I listened to and sometimes I did not and it it pushed me it drove me toward uh, creation and, and moving through what was perceived by some as failure and staying with it and staying with it and staying with it if I really wanted it. Because mm-hmm. there is no such thing as failure unless you quit. And that's true. I know it sounds like a poster from, <laughs> from some uh, office supply store or something, but there really isn't. Because everything that every time we go down through vibrational, lower vibrational flow and we're demanifesting or unraveling something or manifesting a, an obstacle in our creation, it exists so that we can make it even better. Mm-hmm. That's the universal process of creation. Mm-hmm. And we will only fail at it if we just allow ourselves to quit. And there's nothing wrong with quitting if that's your preference. But if it's something that we really want, I am not one for renegotiating what I really want. Yeah. I won't renegotiate it. We do that a lot, a lot of times to ourselves. We'll, we'll, we want something, we want to manifest it, and it doesn't show up immediately, and we move on to another topic. Well, if we move on that easily, we must not have really, really wanted it. That must not have been a, a solid preference for us. But if it really is a preference, that there's no reason that it cannot be. And even if it's seemingly unraveling, that's just allowing us to create even better. And really, I found the more I get out of the way of the universe and let the universe do all that stuff, the more magnificent it is. Yes. It makes me think, David, of this statement that we work with um, in, in, my, in my line of work where we say, you know, I forgive myself for forgetting or I forgive myself for judging myself for forgetting that I'm divine. And the point that I think you're, you're hitting it really uh, the nail on the head there, because I think when we really know who we are and we really are like whole hog in it with the love of self, we know who we are. We know that we're these magnificent beings and we are loving on ourselves. Then it really becomes a question of, well, what are you not going to tolerate anymore? 
what is your level of tolerance? And the more we love on ourselves, the less we are going to tolerate mediocrity in our life. And I can say that's true for my life. The more I loved myself, the better my life began and, and became. And we think in spiritual psychology, we talk about these two lines. It's the soul line, which is going up, and the goal line. And the soul line is really about coming into greater alignment with all those soul inherited attributes. It's like who we are, right? But if we bury that and we just try to work in the, the physical world reality and we sort of denounce our larger self, then it's like you're lifting so much your weight. It's like, talk about that bicep work. You know, it is really gonna be uh, a different path. So it's more we can go up the soul line and really start to discover or rediscover, I should say, who we really are. And like you say, gosh, when we talk about this stuff, it sounds so corny because it just does. But when you start to get a taste of that true nature, that all the spiritual teachers and gurus and mystics and wayfarers have talked about since the beginning of days, I mean, they had to be on to something. <laughs> and that you talk about and I talk about because we've tasted it. And then once you taste it, it's like, oh, I can't, I can no longer tolerate living my, in that limited perceptual reality of self. And thus I can no longer tolerate not living through my heart and doing what I love and, and enjoying the feast that is this miracle of life. I often remind people, and this will be helpful to some women who have gone through the, you know, very hard and challenging experience of a miscarriage or losing a child which I have. And it's like, I, I have a wonderful child now, his 11 year old son, but I always thought I'd have more children. And once I had a miscarriage, it really just made me aware of the gift of life that we actually made it through here, David. Like the fact that 50% of births actually end up in miscarriages and then we make it here and we're healthy. Like, do you get that you're here on purpose? Do you get that you made it through? Like yeah, the life, life force, life, yeah. life force is powerful. Life force is powerful. Yeah. You're, right. you're right. And it's like, wow, I really wanted to be here. And yes, I really wanted to be here now at this opportune time on the planet when in appearances it looks absolutely insane and ridiculous and gnarly and nuts but as we know the cycles of life exist the seasons of life exist these things have happened before and they'll happen again perhaps and we chose to be here right now so that we can go in and it, that we can have the completions that we're meant to have that we can serve the way we're meant to serve, that we can experience the things we're meant to experience, that we can elevate ourselves with the contrast that we're given and so that we can look back in time and go, wow, like I did that. 
Like I I taught myself how to thrive, but I needed it to look like this. And if I went into my complaining and my doubt and my worry and all those lower vibrational spiral things, I wouldn't be standing here right now, but my God, I'm so glad that I used that as my vehicle to transcend and, and, and transform my life. So the, the answer to everything is, is love yourself more because that is your source connection. Yes, that so is. Your source is pure love for you. So if you're not, if you're anything less than that, then you are disallowing that natural source connection to be. And that's where all the solutions are. All, all, all authentic joy is there. Mm-hmm. All abundance is really there. We, we, we speak often of joy, clarity, and abundance. And, and that's that up the spiral, source connected. And abundance takes on a very different meaning, but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy the earthly things. You can, mm-hmm. but it's, you're not depending on those things for your joy. You're placing the joy as your priority, understanding that the manifestations become these fun things that you can experience and they can come and go out of your life. And there's no regret. There's no loss. There's no trauma. There's, there's, there's no judgment in any of it because the good things that are flowing in are just something that you get to enjoy. Yeah. Whatever that is and release if it needs to be released, knowing that you're powerful enough to experience a different version of that, perhaps in a different way, because you're becoming a more sophisticated being. And that singular idea of what abundance is supposed to be, especially the commercial idea. If you're a sophisticated being, that's just not going to cut it for you. Mm-hmm. It's just not. And we're all, we are all capable of being sophisticated beings. Because we are sophisticated beings. Because that's your natural state of being. And you're, if, if you're anything less than that or think you're anything less than that, that's exactly what's separating you from yeah. it. Like judgment so is that. So if you're listening yeah. out there, stop that. Stop separating yes. yourself from it. You are a sophisticated being. I'll leave you with this statement from spiritual psychology. If I have it here, this is from seeing principles of soul centered principles of spiritual psychology and really learning to see the world, your world, our world through soul centered eyes rather than judgmental eyes or 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 um, the lens of of illusion and. It goes like this, and it's very simple, but every time a single person resolves a single issue, angels rejoice and all of humanity moves forward in its evolution. It's like, do you get that you are an integral part of this whole primordial web we call creation? You are here right now for a reason. You made it through the eye of the needle. You're on this planet. You're here now. And you are an integral part of how humanity is going to evolve. So tag your it. (laughs) (laughs) That was lovely. That was lovely. So tell everybody where they can reach out and where they can find you. Yeah. So you can go to my website. That's probably the easiest at uh, alchemy, A-L-C-H-E-M. Why did I spell that right? Alchemy of Mastery. I hope so. Alchemyofmastery.com. www.alchemyofmastery.com. That has a lot of information on there. And you can listen to my spiritual geek out podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. It's on most of all the platforms and, uh, or you could simply go to alchemyofmastery.com and go to the podcast button and uh, yeah, drop me a note if you like it. And uh, if you have anything you'd like me to talk about 
this podcast is really about just like with you, David, it's really for you and it's for humanity. So I always love to hear from people. Very good. Diane Hudock, thank you so much. Thank you, David. This, this, this hour plus went by so fast because we, uh, we, we vibe so well. We could just do part two and three anytime. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you again so much for being on. Thank you all for listening. Hi, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you like what we shared here today, and if it inspired you to think differently, even for just a moment, I have something that you're absolutely going to love. It's a full 90 minute masterclass where I've condensed all the knowledge that I've acquired throughout the years after writing two books and helping hundreds of people change their lives. Take the action steps that I share in this masterclass. The only place that I share this is in these masterclasses aside from my Taya Bootcamp program. And if you know our teachings, you know that we're not about rainbows and fairy dust. We are about extreme ownership, claiming the power to transmute anything in your life to something positive, claiming the power to create your life exactly the way that you dream of it. So everything that you're going to learn in the masterclass is something that you can take and apply in your life as soon as you're done watching. So just go to the streamofdavidmasterclass.com and register and take this 90-minute masterclass. It will transform your life. Again, that is the streamofdavidmasterclass.com. Again, if you enjoyed this episode, you are absolutely going to love this masterclass. Thank you again. I'll see you in class.